0: Watching Stockwatch with me is Kuma. This evening at Derek Yansafan van Rensberg from Anchor and Wemutoni from Sunlam Investments join me to unpack your stock related questions. To send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at StockWatch at or tweet us at businessday TV using the hashtag StockWatch. Thank you so much for your time, James. Roy, I want to start with you because it was quite a uh, a little bit of a gloomy day on the JSC, um, also following sentiment from the U.S. markets. Quite a mixed picture on uh, the European markets. I do understand that, of course, the focal point is the interest rates decision and the inflation that we are getting at home tomorrow. But really what stood out for me was the fashion retailers that were up by about 7 percent really firing on. And I'm wondering if because obviously there wasn't there weren't any news uh, out of there. What exactly yeah. was driving this this uh this big betting on the on the fashion retailers
1: you're right it's it's it stands out i mean and in this environment where inflation is rising petrol prices are rising and interest rates are elevated they generally shouldn't but i think i think the management teams are out there talking to investors um i think there's a couple of conferences out there and that probably is where people are getting a little bit of comfort and and going back in. I really don't see anything else that, that, that would be positive out there. I mean, at, at this point in time, it should be difficult times for them and their clients.
0: Ah. And unless
1: Derek has some insight that I don't.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, unless maybe markets are looking out, uh, you know, forward mm-hmm. to maybe good news. But also what was quite interesting is that it was the fashion retailers that were firing on and not the food mm-hmm. ones. Derek?
2: Yeah, I think if you just look at, for example, Mr. Price, we saw quite a big index reweighting at the, about two weeks ago as we approached the end of last month, which saw quite a significant drag on a stock like Mr. Price. And I think it dragged quite a lot of the uh, clothing retailers down in general. Mm. So there was probably some bottom picking taking place. I think that there's also been quite a lot of money shifting around sectors. So we've seen quite a lot of profit taking in the banks, for example. We've seen first brands kind of peak around 72, coming all the way down to about 6550 at the moment. And, That money's got to find a home so i think that uh it was a bit of bottom picking a bit of uh unnatural sort of selling as we approached month end uh you know a couple of weeks ago and uh those stocks are still good quality stocks you know you've just obviously just got to decipher which ones you want but mr price for me obviously uh quite quite a good quality company well run very good management um and i think it was due for a bit of a bounce so Probably a little bit of sector rotation within that SA Inc. space is kind of my synopsis of what caused the, b- the bounce uh, that we saw
1: today.
0: Uh, well, Derek, you spoke but- about banks, so let's go to... Uh, uh, Roy, uh, please do add.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I was just saying, I mean, you mentioned the contrast between the food retailers and them. Yeah. Just remember, the food retailers are the ones who get really impacted by higher lead higher stages of load shedding. So Mm. that's probably still weighing in, weighing on the back of people's minds. But I think yeah, I think Derek has it exactly right. You you had a significant sell-off. Um, you had sector rotation away from the banks um into resources which had a sell-off previously. So there's a lot of bottom feeding that's coming out here because people continuously see value, um, share prices they haven't seen in a long time and and dip their toes in.
0: Well, uh, as you're talking about Mm -hmm. the food retailers being impacted by load shedding, we did get an announcement Mm -hmm. from uh, some of the the business leaders that we will definitely get a reduction in load shedding next year or an end to it. But it, it all remains to be seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek, I want to come to you uh, you were talking about banks so let's go to the other side of the financial institutions, also wealth management asset management uh, is Investec and Coronation good to buy at these levels?
2: So I think obviously they're playing a very similar space um, obviously I think you just need to segment the two and understand that Coronation have had somewhat of a black cloud over them in terms of a tax issue with regards to uh, SARS trying to claim uh some money in terms of the way they have accounted for things over the last uh, little while um and Coronation have publicly announced that they are going to fight that uh fight that and obviously they've suspended the dividend over the last dividend run that they should have paid so they're keeping some cash on balance sheet at the moment um to me, I almost see Coronation in particular a little bit of a proxy to the market. Uh, you know, if you just look at the JSE and you look at the index, it's kind of floated for the last while, particularly through the course of this year. So it's probably not going to do too much. Um, but if we do see better markets locally, then it's going to have a bit of a leveraged effect from an earnings perspective. If they are able to fight back some of the SARS issues that they're dealing with at the moment and actually retain some of that cash that they're provisioned for, then I think you could see an uptick. Um, so you've got to take a call on the JSE at the end of the day and say, are we going to see higher levels from where we are at the moment? Um, and if that's your your view, then uh, I think coronation's cheap. It's going to pay you to hold it sits on a good yield, regardless of the provisioning cash that they've put aside for the size issue that they're dealing with at the moment. And then similarly with Investec, I think it's a good asset, obviously going to be very correlated to the bank's a bit of offshore exposure, slightly different to Coronation, but obviously some asset ma- – well, the asset management has actually spun out into the 91 side of things, um, but a good business. I actually like invested, Investec. I think it's well-priced, um, but it's just going to obviously bumble around. I think first rand is probably your good proxy to that, you know, I kind of traded between 60, 72 rand, sitting in the mid-range at the moment, uh, bit of profit-taking in the banks, but looking cheap. If if you ask me, uh, you know, a nice buy and hold, collect your dividends, and be patient. Mm.
0: Uh, Roy, I want to start off with uh, coronation because I can see that it has lifted uh, from its lows from when they first announced the 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 tax issue. So, do you think that that's just oil all priced in, and now it is up to the market performance, and maybe it's only a matter of time until we see a bouncing as. We're getting all these pauses um, and potentially rate cuts next year.
1: thing is, exactly like Derek says, both of those, um, the, the asset managers are geared marketplace. So when people expect markets to move, mm. then the asset managers move as well. And I think what you're seeing on top of the, the stock specific issues that Derek spoke about is exactly that that people don't see in this time of high long bond rates, high interest rates, um, low liquidity, you you don't expect an asset manager to do substantially well. Remember as well that coronation primarily deals with domestic mandates. Um, 91, on the other hand, has has, has a bigger geographic spread of its mandates and where it gets its money from. So there's a little bit more of a structural issue there as money leaves South Africa, and looks for international international managers. Maybe their pool starts starts shrinking, but anything that will give you um, a dividend yield in that eight nine ten percent level has a pretty consistent um, operating leverage model uh, is is a good place to hide. You know, in this market, there's not many of those. Um, they've shown that they are solid operators. They've been around for a long time. Um it's mostly owner managed. Um a lot of the staff are shareholders. So so this is a good gr- it, it would be a solid place to hide once those 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 headwinds get um get resolved.
0: Yeah, all right. Um mm-hmm. just sticking uh with you, Roy, uh because Derek did speak about Mr. Price. There's a question here. Your view on Mr. Price, I think it has hit a bottom. Is it a buy, Roy? Mm-hmm.
1: So, so Mr. Price, uh, I, Mr. Price always played in the value end of the market. When times are tough like this, um, you would, you'd imagine that most consumers um, trade down and that um, people would shy away from credit and go stay in that cash world. And that's where Mr. Price plays. And typically that has been a good place to be. The market's changed a little bit. There's a lot more challenges in that market from Shane overseas and a variety of other people playing there. Plus, Mr. Price has gone out and bought a couple of other other diversifiers that allow it to entrench itself in other segments of the market as it tries to expand. And I think that's why they got punished, because the market figured that maybe they've taken their eye off the ball in their core business and the competitiveness in the core business was probably growing so so that's where the doubt has come in i mean it's sold off it's not as cheap as it could be um in 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 the in the in the clothing cycle but but you have to give it to a management team that's done well over time maybe Maybe they've, overst- they've overstretched in, in getting into things like Yuppie Chef and that sort of thing. But, but this is a management team that's well proven to do well in difficult times, recognize its, its constituents, um, recognize its customers and recover. But I would say, I would say to the investors, don't underestimate how competitive that bottom end of the market has become, um, and how much that market has crunched because, because of the difficult times the consumers facing.
0: All right, gents, let's get to more of these questions. Uh, Mustek, there's a question on Mustek that came out with annual results today. Panel's on buying Mustek after results and dividend declared. That share price surging, eleven percent. Uh, Derek, I remember someone uh, actually, uh, was it, um, it was Alex, he, he actually recommended it as a stock pick before the results and actually turns out that he, <laughs> he was right. So what do you <laughs> make of Mastic, Derek?
2: So I think MUSTIC, if you just look at the IT industry from a South African perspective, I think MUSTIC is actually quite well positioned. If you just think about the fallout that we've seen with EOH, which was predominantly one of the sort of market leaders for many, many years, MUSTIC is certainly one of the beneficiaries that are picking up on some of the lucrative contracts that are out there from an IT perspective. I think it's a well-run business. It's a very clean business. It's very cash flow, generative. The only problem that I can kind of caveat is that, you know, in this sort of less liquid space, it's very difficult to fetch the right valuation for these stocks. And again, therein lies the opportunity. If you're patient and you buy good quality shares that have got an ability to leverage up, then uh, you're going to make some decent money. But I think you've got to take a very long term view with it. So, my sort of overriding synopsis is that it's a very well-run business it's very cash flow generative they've got they're probably going to steal quite a lot of market share in terms of how they're positioned within the context of the it info or the it backdrop of what south africa has to offer from a hardware perspective and from a software perspective so i like the business i think it's fairly valued but you've got to be patient. You've got to buy and hold. Don't think you're going to make quick short-term money out of it. And be aware that uh, it's going to tra- at some points in time. It's going to trade on appointment where it's not that liquid. And illiquidity is is one of the caveats you've got to take into into account when selecting a stock. So mm-hmm. I like the business. Good quality business. Buy and hold. Um, but be patient with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh Yeah. Roy. Um. I'm just wondering if the markets held on to the actual results that were released or more on the outlook and kind of their strategic positioning from here on out.
1: So the strange thing, I I, I looked at the result and... There was no commentary. The numbers look solid. There's cash generation, good turnover growth, margin expansion and everything, but no commentary that mm. gives an indication of what's happening on the outlook and everything. Um, it's not clear to me whether there's actually a presentation and maybe they've gone through a little bit of turmoil as well. But I think broadly what, what Derek was saying, largely holds the Mm -hmm. thing is when people see these companies reporting like this and they've consistently done well um they're probably last man standing um it's probably one that people want to hide in i mean the valuation is incredibly cheap well like most small cap small cap sa ink stocks so it's a buy and hold you see a good result you want to buy it you want you want to hold it wait and see what happens and they'll pay solid dividends going forward
0: Hmm, All right. Uh, Let's go into property. There's a question on Fortress. Does the panel believe that Fortress will recommence with distributions in the next 12 months? That's very timeline specific. Derek?
2: (laughs) You know, it's very difficult to call this one. I mean, there's obviously been quite a lot of uh, sort of unwinding, let's call it that, over the last three to five years in terms of all sorts of convoluted structures in terms of how this business was positioned. I think... Where it stands today is probably fairly priced. Uh, there's some good assets under the belt. So they are, uh, producing good cash flows. I think there is a bit of a rejig from a property perspective. If you just look at the changing dynamics from, uh, in it, from an industrial property perspective, as well as, um, an office space perspective. So I think that the assets are good quality assets. Um, to say that the dividend will resume is difficult to call. I think you just got to be patient and just understand how cash flow generative it actually is um, and obviously analyse that on a case-by-case case basis as and when you see results. But I think just generally speaking from a macroeconomic perspective, we need to remind ourselves that we are in a very high interest rate environment. Um, you know, leverage is is completely sort of tilted to to the wrong side of the curve for property stocks. They're going to remain cheap for a while. Um, and you rather want to look at companies that have got uh, secured dividend outlooks and secure payout ratios and probably with a little bit of offshore exposure with a bit more diversification than a Fortress B as it stands, uh, you know, as we see it. Um, so there's, there's probably, in my opinion, some better options out there that's going to give you – a better sort of um, feeling and comfort around dividend flow. So good business, good assets. Um, but generally, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bullish on property at the moment, uh, just given the status quo with this high interest rate environment.
0: Ah, all right. Uh, Roy, I'm not going to ask you about property because I think that uh, Derek has outlined the highlights and the lowlights mm-hmm. and also the need to be patient with Fortress as they sort out their uh, structural share uh, holding issues. Um, so, process and NASPERS got rid of cross-holdings. Why one CEO and not two? They are big enough and should be competing, mm-hmm. or am I missing something? Not sure about competing, but Roy, you can uh, give us your take.
1: So, if you think about it, you have to go back into history and, and see what why the two exist. Remember mm-hmm. that they had one underlying, one significant underlying asset, which is Tencent, Process was um listed in Europe and reverse listed into SA. Um and hypothetically the whole point of process initially was to give um was to give access to a global to, to a global set of investors, access to ten cents. Those who couldn't invest directly could get it through process. So effectively what you're seeing is that they're large, by and large the same asset they are by and large the same company there are a few differences between um, some of the assets that are held in like like some of the publishing assets and that sort of thing but it really would make no sense to have two highly paid ceos overseeing this what you what you can see is there's the guy at the top and each operating asset has the has its respective manager who runs the business um for for its sector for its profitability for its um for its capital allocation structure so no i don't think there's much of a point i don't think there would be much sense in having separate ceos oh. i think it's the long and short of
0: it ah, all right well let's move on mm-hmm. to paper cycles uh i have a question about the paper commodity cycle i hear both mondi and sapi recommended by your analysts from time to time i do not hold either okay. yet but i'm considering a good entry point I hear the warning that there are cyclical stocks but if I look at these uh, two stocks over the last three years I do not see any clear correlations. It seems the one is up oh. when the other is down. For example, Mondi up 11% year-to-date despite the Russia problem and Sapi down 17% mm-hmm. year-to-date. But both seem to have started climbing in the last month. Please can you assist? Uh, please explain where we are in the paper cycle at present. Is it a good time to enter? And if so, which of the two should I go for? Or would you recommend a 50-50 split on both? Yeah, uh, and us have different takes on uh, these two companies. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, what's your take?
2: Well, I think we need to sort of remind ourselves that we're playing in a sector which, as you stated, is obviously very much paper-driven. Um, I think the one thing about Mondi, which interests me at the moment, is they managed to offload that Russian asset for a lot better price than what uh, probably the market was anticipating. And I think that the market attributed very close to a zero value on that. Although it's very small in the big picture of things, I think that uh, the realization of cash on that Russian asset is quite a good uh, net positive for them. Um, you know, as we know, we're moving into very much a digital world, but there's still very strong um, sort of demand for this paper commodity as we know it. And obviously, it's it's needed in every course of business. And as you move through any course of, of business transaction and as you move through through day-to-day business. So there certainly is a need. Um, and they're actually good quality businesses. If you just look at the, the way they're actually bringing paper to market and actually generate cash flow, they're actually good quality businesses, but they're never going to fetch or they shouldn't generally fetch very high multiples. So you actually just got to keep an eye on those multiples. And when they become kind of, undervalued relative to, to what uh, market expectations have been in the past, that's the time to buy it. But typically, slowly trend to the upside. And if they get undervalued or overly undervalued, then that's obviously the time to look at uh, putting them in the portfolio. But certainly, not uh, you, you're not going to get uh, breakaway sort of moves to the upside that are going to give you very strong moves, unless you've got this acquisitive pro- approach from an offshore pers- perspective. But certainly – If I had to choose between the two where it stands at the moment, I think Mondi is quite well positioned. They're going to generate a bit of cash. Let's see what they do with that cash. And I think that the offshore presence is certainly um, something that kind of uh, raises an eyebrow for me. So Mm. good quality businesses, slowly cash generative, uh, but don't expect extremely high multiples out of them. Just kind of one of those stocks you want to put in the portfolio and bury away and just let it produce the cash flows that you want
0: I just needed the viewers to see this, this need for paper. (laughs) Roy, quickly, before we get to your stock fix, would you have a preference?
1: (laughs) Well, the thing is, Monday is exposed to growing markets, um, which is basically packaging in bags. Um, they, they, They generate good cash. They've got this, um, they've got this capex profile that they can fund. There is the likelihood of that dividend coming through. I think both of them are cheap. SAP is on the other side. It's in markets that are pretty much mature. Um, and, and they're probably slowing over time, but it's got a very low valuation as well. So very similar to Derek, I think um you they're both reasonable exposures to a very cyclical um very cyclical world Mm. you're getting in at very low valuations you're not going to see big jumps because this 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 is not this this is not um an industry that moves in that way Mm. so probably mondi is the one mondi is probably the one that you want to look at right now but sapi is very cheap as well more Mm. cyclical more volatile Um, Monday will give you the more consistent growth over time with cash flows and reinvestment into its business.
0: Uh, All right. Gents, we have about 20 seconds seconds each for your stock picks. Derek, what will it be?
2: Yeah, so my stock pick this evening is offshore. Um, I'm looking at the South American asset Mercado Libre, which is essentially the Amazon of South America. Online business, uh, very similar to an Alibaba in China. Um, so I think that this business has actually performed very well over the last six to sort of eight months. Very much sort of positioned in the tech space, got a secondary listing on the NASDAQ. Um, you know, it's run hard over the last eight months, but in terms of the way they're positioned in terms of market dominance from a South American perspective and an emerging market perspective, I think this is a business that's going to continue to produce good cash flows. I think the valuation is probably okay at the moment, but I do see some further upside. And I think that just the sort of run in uh, develop tech has kind of been a bit stretched. If you're looking for something a little bit more, Excuse me, in the emerging market space, Mercado Libre ticks the boxes for me and I think it's well positioned to actually benefit on uh, the same sort of business model that we see Amazon making and obviously Alibaba.
0: Uh, All right. Well, let's get to your stock real quickly, Roy. What will it be?
1: Yeah, my stock pick is Motus. I think the market is over punishing them for the amount of gearing that they have. I think that gearing came in because of an acquisition, a very cash generative acquisition, and they'll be able to pay that down over time. Valuation is incredibly cheap. It's not as cyclical as the market rates it. Uh, and I think this is a management team that knows its industry, is that that is highly competent there and that will take it through even as interest rates either remain high or start coming off in the horizon.
0: Ah, all right. Well, thanks so much for your time and insights today, gents. Really appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest, Derek Yansafan Rensberg from Anker and Roy Mutoni from Sanlam Investments. Coming up next, The Close. Stay watching.